party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week on the show, I am joined by my good, good friend, host of Game Closet, game designer, and lead designer on Descent Into Midnight for the first of a two-part Descent Into Midnight Spectacular. In part one, we will be creating and populating a strange undersea world with strange alien life, and then in part two, we will set that life to battle corruption and darkness in a vast foreign world that is extremely cool. This whole game shreds, it owns, I'm so happy to have it out in the world. Uh, Descent into Midnight is currently on Kickstarter, where it, I believe it is already funded and is probably burning through stretch goals at the time of this recording. I haven't checked it since today, but it seemed like it was doing okay. So yeah, go to the show notes, go to the Kickstarter, back that, make it happen, learn about all of uh, Taylor's other incredible games about Games Closet, one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, check out all that stuff in the show notes. Now, before we dive in, there are a few things that I want to dig into. First, I've got some Patreon backers that I would like to personally thank for supporting not just Party of One, but all my fantasy children, Talking Nog, all the games that I produce, the community stuff that I do. Your Patreon support is essential in making all of it happen, and in exchange, you get early access to everything. Games, podcasts, merch, we'll get to that. So thank you to Violet Fanning and Mark Alexander Rolt for help making all of that cool stuff happen. We've got a couple more new backers, but I figured since we're doing two episodes this week, we could space it out. Anyway, you can learn more about that at patreon.com slash jeffstormer. Now, as to that merch part, go to bit.ly slash partyofonemerch. Check out the official merch store for Party of One. Uh, you can pick up their uh, all-of-one item right now, which is the Party of One logo t-shirt. Uh, profits are shared between me and uh, the logo's designer, Evan Rowland. It's great. It's a great logo, great design. I'm really happy that it's on merch, like t-shirts, stickers, hoodies, whatever you want. You can get the logo on it. Show your love for the podcast. Share it with the world. Go to bit.ly slash partyofonemerch. So as you go and do that, I'm going to throw it over to me in the past so that he can start with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I am sitting down once again with my good, good friend, Taylor LeBrash. Taylor, thank you so much for coming back on Party of One. Hell yeah, Jeff. Every time I'm on this show, I get so excited for it. Um, you have such a joy. Fucking same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, I love it. I love Party of One so much. Um, I was literally like just telling my partner Lauren today, like, so soaked to go on Party of One. Jeff has been like killing it. We started like doing stuff about the same time. So like if yeah. I don't know exactly when you started off the top of my head, but like I know that I'm reaching my five year anniversary of making game stuff. So like congratulations to you Thank on you. your Thank you. anniversary Likewise. as well. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. It's been a long road. Yeah. Getting from there to here. Has been. Oh. We, we do have faith of the heart. I feel it. <laughs> I feel like going into this game session, I feel like I've got faith of the heart. I can feel the winds come alive at night. Nothing's Noth going to... Nothing's no going <laughs> to bend or break me. <laughs> Taylor, real quick before we get into the game, why don't you tell people uh, where they might find you, your work online, and then give us an introduction to what we're playing this week, as well as where can they can find that game online. Hell yeah. Um, so, uh, I am Taylor LeBrush. I run the Game Closet Podcast. We're an informal chat show with queer and LGBT plus folks in the tabletop RPG scene. Um, Jeff, thank you very much for being our reigning champ with four repeat episodes. Four um, Yeah. Uh, I know your AMFC co-host, Aaron, is is chomping at the bit to unseat you, but we'll see. Um, 
And uh, I also am on a couple other podcasts. So we just finished a very silly podcast called Apple Bottom V, a podcast loosely based on the Minnesota Vikings. Um, it's always disappointing when that season uh, of that podcast ends because it means that the Vikings are no longer in the running for the big game. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and then I am also one of the hosts and the producer for an, uh, a show called The RSS Defiant. We are four friends with two missions. The first is to have fun, and the second is to objectively rank every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. That's a good. That's a good those are good objectives to have. <laughs> yeah. That's a, a, good, a good mission. Yep. An admirable uh, mission. Yeah. So, um, three podcasts. I also write games uh, at riverhousegames.itch.io. I have a bunch of, like, micro games and lyric games. I, I struggled for a while if I was going to, like, call my stuff lyric games just because, like, I didn't know how comfortable I was with it. But I feel like I'm at a good point with it now. I had a good chat with the dearest Slattery friend of the show. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm ready to take that mantle up. So, yeah, you can find all my lyric games at riverhousegames.itch.io. Um and the game that we are playing today uh, is actually one that I'm supremely proud of. It's one that uh, I've been working on for a number of years along with my co-developers, Rich Howard and Richard Kreutzlandry. Um, and now as we spool up for the Kickstarter that we have going on, uh, which starts February 15th and goes until March 15th, uh, you can actually uh, you can see all of the work that we've been doing with the really rad uh, group of folks that we've brought on to the project. Folks like our project manager, Tracy, um, who uh, f- fans of Party of One might recognize from the Iron Etta uh, mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. They have been doing just a, a kick-ass job um, at getting everything organized for the Kickstarter and also helping us uh, prep for producing this book. Um, they have a lot of experience with uh, mm-hmm. publishing and RPGs, and um, we, uh, you know, I, I, I think we owe them uh, a debt that is unspeakable. <laughs> so I, 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 I mean, a, I feel the same way. I'm generally about Tracy and all of those things. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, that's a that's a real party of one family project. I think every everyone that you've mentioned has at least done one episode of the show. This is a real this is a real family. I'm I'm swelling up <laughs> with fatherly pride Hell seeing yeah. all of this happen. Yeah, um, we've brought on uh, art director Palomi, uh, who I don't know if if Palomi's been on Party One, but yes, yes, indeed, excellent. We're continuing um, to see more like it's fam- family project. This is yeah. a real. Uh, we've got layout editor VJ Brown, who I know has been on the show. Um, I think. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> Uh, I said that, I was like, wait, wait a minute. Um, mm-hmm. But, yep, absolutely. Uh, the only person that I think has not been on the show is um, our interior artist, uh, who is my best friend since kindergarten, uh, Taylor Livingston, who I, like, I can't tell you how amazing it feels to be making Descent into Midnight with, like, literally my best friend in the whole world. Um I, it's a, a it's a it's a familiar feeling to me. I get it because I, I make yeah. I make a thing with my my lifelong best friend every week. It's Hell great. Yeah. Taylor's art has just been like always my favorite. Uh, he's got just a stunning approach to like pencils and even digital art. It it carries that. Um, growing up with him and we both kind of like started playing role playing games together. Uh, and we would always be playing and he would always be sketching 
everything during our games like whether that was uh sketching our characters or like the big bad guys or like bits of the dungeon or like just little trinkets and like baubles and weapons and stuff like i so having his art for descent into midnight which is a very different game than the games that we grew up playing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um is is very surreal to me that makes me very very happy yeah uh so yes descent into midnight um is a game of uh alien uh, it's a game of underwater aliens um whether that be in the ocean uh in like lakes and rivers on a planet entirely water um the important thing is that we are playing in a world where humans have not and will never set foot hmm we are playing completely non-human life. We are here to explore uh, community and emotion um, in in a way that's kind of separated uh, from anthropomorphism, which is, I think, uh, a very cool take on a lot of these things. It lets us really mm-hmm. examine yeah. uh, emotions for for their emotions, um, and it's very cool. Uh, and folks can learn more at DescentIntoMidnight.com. Yep, and I believe uh, the, the the episode this episode will be out when the Kickstarter is live, so you can check the show notes. Go make that a reality. I, I have no doubt that it will fund very quickly, but uh, <laughs> listeners can go back the game and get cool stuff, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, and the link to the Kickstarter is going to be dimrpg.io slash ks. Dang. Solid. <laughs> All right, let's get into this. Let's get into this. Let's make a character, and let's play some games. Hell yeah. Uh, so, Jeff, I, I know that I've sent you our working draft for what we have for the game so far, uh, and you've taken a look at the 10 different playbooks that we have. Yes. And The Traveler stood out for you. And yes. you had a very good kind of uh, kind of story beat reason for why you wanted to play The Traveler. Please uh, share our listeners what that is. Right. So The Traveler's text is uh, where many lives thrive within and around the cityscape. You've spent years, perhaps even centuries, studying the world outside, whether as a scholar, trader, explorer, or bounty hunter. You have collected a lifetime of knowledge and experience and seen the best and worst the world has to offer. Uh, I am a complete and utter sucker for outsiders with a mysterious past uh, and, you know, possibly checkered with good and ill. I'm a sucker for, you know, your uh, the man with no name and... Uh, I guess Superman kind of falls into this space, really. A little like, bit. like I'm a, I am a sucker for you know the person who comes in, and I think it like a I think it fits very well in a two person sort of scenario to have that person be kind of exploring, mm-hmm. you know, seeing these things from the outside and be like it's just it's so my jam to be kind of the the wandering the wandering explorer seeing things uh you know and and navigating like a complicated a complicated life lived with many complicated compromises hell yeah and so listeners you might be saying well this is all well and good but i don't know how this fits into the setting what is the setting for descent into midnight uh and the answer to that is a very very cool answer and that is that we don't know yet um and not just the you know the authors don't know we haven't decided on a setting but no we are leaving it up to players up to individual tables um and actually part of the game itself is creating the world that you are going to be playing in and creating uh the city and the ecology and mm-hmm. the, the the biology of the games that you are about to to set foot in so we know nothing about our world aside from the fact that it has a traveler in it mm-hmm. i dig so, that Hell yeah. So there is an organized space and someone coming in from the outside. Yeah. 
That's all we know so far. We're going to make your character first, and then we're going to make the world that they live in. These stories okay. are about your characters. They're going to feature and highlight the world and the community that you live in. But the important part really is you. Okay. So let's go ahead and take a look at our Traveler playbook. So all of our playbook uh, playbooks have a few, um, like, choose from three uh, sets of flavors that we are going to get an idea of the sense of your character first, and then we can talk about some mechanics. So I would love for you to take a look at look, gifts, attitude, and home. Mm. Um, and then uh, if you have a name and pronouns yet for your character, you can assign those, but um, feel free to leave those blank for now if you want to. Hmm. So for a look, I, I'm i drawn to crystalline and cautious. I think mm. there's something about being like a sort of um like a crystalline cloud is sort of cool oh where it's, yeah uh, like it's it's part it's almost like tectonic plates where it's like parts that kind of shift and interconnect like that's the vision that i get because that feels very kind of mobile mm -hmm. i'm picturing sort of a little bit of a cloud behind them as sort of a propulsionary thing okay because I, because if i am a traveler i need to be something that moves through spaces and i think yeah. that that kind of visual of like a crystalline structure uh that forms sort of a body at times and sort of rearranges itself into different places and then kind of shifts and moves uh sort of propelled by a jet of fog and mist is very cool that rules jeff thank you no problem um, I, I am intrigued when you said that mobility was a concern for your character, and I just wanted to caution you, f feel free to go nuts with any of these things, mm -hmm. like anything that you think, oh, I better want that, you don't actually need it. Um, we had a character played by a uh, friend of the show, Amber Autumn Faybrook, who was just called the Tentacle, and, and she played a rooted tentacle in a deep crevasse mm. who couldn't move. Um, and and the game grew around that. So even, you know, lack of mobility or lack of all of these things that mm -hmm. we think are important necessarily for role-playing game characters, I want to challenge you. And, you know, obviously, if you have an idea that's that really sticks with you, I love this idea of this, like, shifting crystalline fog-propulsed mm -hmm. creature. So I'm happy that you chose that. But don't feel like you have to be bound by anything because we'll create gotcha. a game around what you describe. Gotcha. Well, the, for my gifts, the things that jumped out to me immediately are movement manipulation. The idea of these being like interconnected plates. Mm, yeah. I like the idea of being able to rearrange them, right? Like connecting. It's almost like a, like le, like like being a ball of Lego, right? Like being a, 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 a an assortment of pieces that can fit in together into different shapes for different purposes. And then uh, the other thing that I want to go with is matter mimicry. Ooh, along okay. the same lines right like being able to take on the shape of like uh of of like a stone and rest on on like a floor but also being able to like take on maybe claws or pincers or some sort of like attack thing you know you know what i mean like a variety of different situations that i can take on the sort of properties of by moving pieces around and and, mm. and adjusting my shape accordingly I love that. Thank like, you. Like, there are times where I very clearly need to take on a shape that is very, like, smooth and crystalline and sort of, like, reflective as a way, as perhaps a, a way of, uh, like, showing empathy or kindness or vulnerability of, like, a, I am showing you back to yourself because uh, I think all things in a certain, you know, there, it's, it's one of those universalities that all things have that response to their own face. 
Yeah. So I like I that idea that. of being able to be like, and here's my mirror. Here are my claws. Here's my like, here's my my rooted in, in the earth and unmovable and being able to like take on mm-hmm. these different like forms and shapes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Is there a shape that you prefer? I think it's sort of uh I think it's like the the propulsory cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Like the um which kind of, I think it sort of uh, naturally forms into a little bit of like a conal shape. Mm-hmm. It like the like two big kind of plates on the side and then like a little like it kind of juts forward as a cone and then the, the sort of fog and mist spills out behind. Yeah. Um, and kind of like uh, I, I, because because I am the traveler, like traveling is important to me, and so mm-hmm. I think it is that I I, I I that's sort of the natural shape of going of like traveling of just kind of floating and propelling, right? Like mm-hmm. floating and propelling is kind of my natural state of being. Hell yeah. My attitude, I am, I'm restless. Mm-hmm. That ties into that sort of natural. That, that feels like the natural extension of that state of being of like. I am on, I am like, I am a jet stream. I float on, I float and I move. Perfect. Uh, My home is, oh, my home is empty spaces, right? Mm. Like my home is, my home is, my home is where I, where I, where I am from and where I belong is among the, the flowing, the flowing upper currents. And I sort of float along that and my pronouns are they there. Hell yeah. So Jeff, this character that you that you have created, um, empty spaces. Uh, are you from outer space, or are you from this planet? I think I am from this planet. I think I think as far back as I can remember, I am from this planet. Simply from like the liminal space of mm. the air, or rather okay. the un- like the undersea air, like the currents of water, the jet streams. Yeah, you know, I I do not have perfect recall. Like I do not have all of my memories, but I I do feel like I am long livid enough that I at one point must have been born. Mm-hmm. My life must have started, but I I only I only remember floating on jet streams and occasionally touching down and interacting. Mm. Hell yeah. All right, perfect. So we are going to move past our links for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will also say we have some stats, so we're playing a Powered by the Apocalypse mm-hmm. game. Um, our stats are, are um, focused on our emotions. So yeah. you have hope, altruism, community, calm, and drive at the various numbers that you see on those on that playbook. Mm-hmm. And then you have some playbook moves. So as the traveler, you will always have hide and seek. Uh, Through education, training, or social graces, you uncover information on the most elusive creatures. When you seek information about a plant, animal, or inhabitant, roll drive. And you can have some fiddly bits of mechanics when when you roll. But then in addition to hide and seek, you get to choose two more playbook moves. So I'll let you kind of skim through those. Oh, I already have. Oh, perfect. Uh, I have been there, done that. I can draw on my experiences and training to handle myself in strange situations. Uh, uh, I will pull on this when I encounter a new natural, psychic, or cultural phenomenon or tradition. Mm. And I also have Truth Seeker. My instincts are honed through experience and survival, allowing me to read the flow of the echo around creatures and objects, which I will pull on when I examine important objects and creatures. Which means that I'm kind of drawn, drawn by discovery, right? Like, I am drawn... 
So I'm almost somewhere. I'm gonna I'm gonna mark a second attitude. I don't know if that's within the rules, but games are fluid things that we can change the rules of at any time. Absolutely. And Jeff, the author is dead. So the author is dead. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna also mark curious. I think that I I think as I uh, if all I've ever known is floating is floating and seeing what comes. That feels like a very. I think the two ways that you can kind of take that from a character view, peeling back mm-hmm. the curtain a little bit, are you can kind of go tired or you can go curious. And to me, curious is much more in aligned with, like, with my own sensibilities. Yeah. Hell of, yeah. Of being like, I want to see. I want to see what I'm going to see, rather than, like, I have seen everything and I'm tired of it. Yeah. Perfect. And the thing that I love about Powered by the Apocalypse games is that when you choose playbook moves, it tells me, the GM, do these things. So we know that in this game, you will seek information about plants, animals, and habitats. You will encounter new natural, psychic, or cultural phenomenon and traditions. And you will examine important objects or creatures. Mm-hmm. That's the things that I want to do today. Hell Yeah. I, I like that we're also just digging it. I like this. I like this. I like. I like. I like how this is. This this feels very informative into kind of the nuts and bolts of, of a of a PBTA experience, and I like it. Oh yeah. <clears throat> uh, we have some team moves, and to speak to that, we are going to uh, since this is party of one, we have one player character. Um, Normally, when we have a game of Descent into Midnight, we'll have between three and six. I think four is a really magic number for this game. Um, And we will have, in addition to our playbook and basic and etc., etc., we have team moves, which are just moves that say what happens when you do things with your teammates. Um, But you're the only player here, so let's create you a teammate. Um, And I think we will create you... uh, I'm not going to ask you to play these, and I am not going to play this character either just because I want to save my headspace, but um, we'll use them just as a a kind of a touch point for things uh, and make a touchstone for you. So corruption can never extinguish the wonder of life as long as life maintains hope. True, deep, and genuine compassion can transform not just a single life, but the world in which it lives. The touchstone is the innocent that befriends the grotesque or abandoned, the ally that reminds them around the world that their uniques create a better environment. They're stable friends who provide shelter against the crushing tide of despair. And I would love for you to choose looks, looks, gifts, attitude, and a home for your touchstone friend. So, uh, my, I, I, uh, this is a uh, bundle of. Uh, a seaweed, like a sentient seaweed or an algae or a, something of that nature. Mm-hmm. It is like a plant. I'm choosing webbed and whimsical as the yeah. look. It is literally just a thing that hangs to me. Okay. You know, it is a it is sort of a viscous plant-like blob mass that has, that has attached itself to me at some point. I love it. Um, the gifts, I choose three. I will choose... Uh, I will choose perfect camouflage. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that it. I think. Uh, what do we want? What do we want this? What do we want the pronouns of our friend to be? I think we can. We can do like a. Maybe like a plucky he him situation. He, him. Yeah. So I think. I think he. I think he blends. He like appears to be somewhere between a plant mass and like a flow of bubbles and current. Okay. Yeah. 
So we'll go perfect camouflage. We will go... Um, I'm going to put this out there, but I'm going to put it out there and slightly, like, tap a safety mechanic a little okay. bit to kind of clarify, like, what I'm thinking with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love memory manipulation, but I think it's definitely a thing that I think oh, anytime you're going to touch on, like, a memory manipulation thing, I think there's a, yep. there's a good opportunity for a safety discussion there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I like about the idea of memory manipulation is, like, um, bringing forth memories more so than changing or altering them, because I think that gets a yeah. little iffy to me. So I'm thinking of memory manipulation in terms of, like, um, maybe pulling out, like, with perfect detail and clarity. And then we'll go insightful deduction as the other half of this. Yep. Of, like, you know, pulling out a memory and then sharing it between the two of us with a perfect sense of clarity. So find, being able to quickly find the right find a memory like you know what i mean like uh mm-hmm. mind uh mind meld if we're going to pull on star trek a little bit yeah of like finding the memory that that maybe you don't need maybe not even the memory you want or remember or think you have but the memory that you need in a moment mm. and being able to pull it out and and experience it together in perfect detail yeah is i think there is i think his other gift uh his attitude is Innocent and sage-like. I like the two of those things together. Mm-hmm. Those are a nice contrast. And his home... Hmm. I kind of like a cluster of roots. If he is like a plant-based being. Yeah, I do as well. Um, I'm really happy that we've created this small little, like, plant boy. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I was going to wait until we talked about the world as we create this, but tomorrow is World Wetland Day. And so I was going to ask if you wanted to do something in like a peat bog or something. I would love to. That sounds great. Hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. So as a traveler, uh, you have a traveling companion who mm-hmm. is hanging out with you in this peat bog world. Um and you, uh, you can have some team moves with them. So um, when you gain deeper understanding of their motivations and share your insights, uh, you can help clear a corruption, which is one of the different um, like economies of the game. Uh, and then when you reveal a hidden insecurity to your friend, you are going to mark harmony, okay. uh, which is our advancement mechanic. Got it. Uh, our names, my name is Carcassonne, mm. and his name is Jorthroot. 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 And Carcassonne. Excellent. And so we've talked about Harmony. Um, We are going to have you start with four points of Harmony. Okay. Since this is a one-shot. If we were just playing in a a game, um, planning on doing a campaign, you'd start at zero. But since it's a one-shot, let's put you at four. When you hit five, your harmony track will fill, and you'll be able to choose an advancement. So that's cool. almost guaranteed to happen during this game. Um, so we'll get to have fun with our advancement moves. Especially uh, because I do plan on starting the session by going, I don't know, Jorthrude, I'm pretty insecure about this. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Just hit it. Just, you know, go for yeah. it. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, we we also talked about corruption, um, one of the economies. Corruption is also kind of like an advancement track. Uh, when you fill your corruption track, again, it, it will have five, and I'm going to start you at f- three for this one shot. When you fill your corruption track, the corruption finds a home in you. We'll talk about what the corruption actually is for your world, but right now it's just nebulous. It's a corruption with a capital C. Um, uh, once you fill your track... 
you will uh, choose one of the three corruption moves that you have available to your playbook. These are all playbook specific. Uh, they are one-time use moves that are tremendously powerful, but also tremendously disruptive, both to uh, yourself, your your friends, your community. Um, and then with both corruption and harmony, once you fill your track, you will be placing a token on your world map. Um, so just like every other time that I come on to party of one i'm going to be pulling up roll 20 and i forgot to do that that's all good it happens again there's gonna be some drawing that we do jeff cool dig it and so now we are going to go back to those links Mm -hmm. and i'd love to hear maybe two or three of these links with jorthroot Mm -hmm. uh filling in the blank with jorthroot so um for folks who can't see the playbook, I, I realize, uh, links are things like, you met blank during your tr- previous travels. Where did you meet? Describe one of your interactions. So they provide a backstory and maybe a, a roleplay connection between the different characters. All right. Let me think. I think I want to pull on, uh, Jorthroot is from a communal culture. Mm. Jorthroot is from literally a bundle or like a bushel or like a reef of plants of these like uh fibrous flowing semi-translucent like plant strands or plant webs and i think the thing that uh, i've seen something in their con- behavior that concerns me i think what concerns me is um i've noticed uh Jorthroot is from this, like, communal culture, but his eagerness to, I guess, um, his eagerness to abandon it and his, his almost refusal to stay in one place, perhaps even more so than, than I am, I think concerns me. I think I am like, well, like, there's a level of, of, uh, of solid, of, solitude and of like eagerness to keep moving that i think even as a traveler concerns me Mm. like what what does what what is what does he see that i don't or what does he feel that i don't like almost a what is he chasing and what is chasing him yeah yeah what is he it feels like it feels a lot like he's running from something Mm. it feels a lot like he is constantly pushing me to move and I, I'm fine with it. I like moving, but it feels like he's pushing. It feels like he's pushing me to move, keep moving in a direction as opposed to going where the jet streams take me. Got it. Excellent. And I think the other thing is, uh, I met I met Jorthroot during my previous travels. I think I met Jorthroot among this among one of these giant reefs. I think I had landed there. Like uh, my journey sort of put me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put them there. I, I landed. I met him, and um, they they provided me shelter. Like they took very good care of me. And then when I left, I he had attached himself to my carapace, mm-hmm. and I was unable to shake him off. All right. Both physically, because he is a a web of a, a web of a <laughs> being, and and emotionally in terms of a 
he was dead set on on traveling with me. Yeah, come hell or high water. Love it. All right, so I have our roll twenty map open in front of us, and this is a very p- fun part of character and world creation because we are going to create our community. So we already know that we live in kind of like a peat bog, peat moss kind of world, um, but we're gonna we're gonna answer some questions and put them on the map, um, kind of back and forth. If we were sitting at a table with multiple people, we'd go around in circles and just kind of share and talk about what that means for our world as we draw it. Um, but I I wanna um, I wanna take a moment to breathe. So Jeff, if you could close your eyes. And just imagine a peat moss bog. What is the most defining feature of this area for you? Uh, The most defining feature of a peat moss bog is very... um, uh, Like long stalks that run like above the surface of the water that from an underwater perspective just are going to appear to be um like just just plant stalks with maybe giant leaves coming off of them mm. hell yeah so i sent you a link to uh our roll 20 page yes this empty grid is our community i would love for you to draw some empty stalks with leaves coming off all of right them. i will and while you're drawing, I will share some facts about earth peat mosses um, and peat bogs with our listeners. Because World Wetlands Day, hell yeah, thumbs up. Um, I am super stoked about it because Minnesota is a great state for wetlands. Um, it's where I live. Uh, we have the Boundary Waters, which is one of the biggest wetlands in North America. It's a chain of lakes and rivers. Um, it's phenomenal. It's a great place to be and go. There's a lot of... Uh, wildlife there uh 40% of the world's species live or breed within wetlands and they are actually three times more efficient at sequestering carbon than they than the world's forests um so they're a very vital part of our earth ecosystem uh they um are are just really spectacular places to go with a lot of biodiversity uh, i love these stalks that you've have, you have created for us under the waves jeff mhm i dig it uh, so the next question that I'm going to ask you is what does our community do for food? What does our community do for food? Um, I think what it is, is, um, uh, the ground soil or the, 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 the floor of this, uh, the sort of peat moss bog is rife with um some like is rife with um we'll call them insectoid ish clouds mm. sort of schools of schools of like um very small indistinct sized things that uh are or can be like um scooped up or they also like uh, fertilize. They 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 fertilize the large stalks, right? They can be scooped up and eaten themselves. They fertilize the large stalks, 
and also you can kind of um that the the they leave nutrients in the soil that that certain uh beings in the community can also ingest the soil itself mm-hmm. so i'm gonna draw just some weird clouds do it <laughs> Some real good scribbles. And I love those clouds because they mirror a lot of earth kind of analogs, mm-hmm. um, which I, I am super happy to go super alien with as much as we want in this game. Um, but it gives me an opportunity to tell folks about how wetlands uh, provide a very vital role uh, in our world and cleaning our water. Uh, so a lot of folks will look at like a bog and see uh, like brown water or tepid uh, areas. You know, we have that idea of like a murky, muddy space. Um, but those are actually like giant natural sponges. Uh, and as water flows through them, uh, there is so much uh, biology that eats uh, and decomposes any dead material in bogs um, that filters out water that that um, just provides a cleaning service for the entire earth uh, specifically insect life is is a giant area for wetlands um, there's so many uh, invertebrate species that live in rivers lakes bogs marshes um, that that live in these clouds uh, just like you've described yeah, and I, I, I was specifically pulling on like the specific thing I was pulling on was the, I, I, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that you were sort of tagged in this, uh, at some point in the week of that that really, kind of amazing and cool picture of like a cloud of fish that were operating as like a single, like hive mind entity and it was just like a jagged, nightmare cloud but in an extremely like cool. Oh, was that the eels? I think it was the eels. Yeah, as they're like walking, it's like the pillar of eels, the rotating. Yes. I love that. That's very cool. Um, Awesome. So uh, now we we have our most defining feature. We have what we do for food. Um, I would love for you to tell me about a cultural tradition in our community, something that either we do like annually as a celebration or maybe a day-to-day activity. What's something that everybody participates in? Um, a cultural activity. Um, let's pull on my love of let's pull on let's pull on my love of holiday themed lights and say that it, there is like a glow. Yeah. Um, like period like periodically, I think almost as a way of because. Uh, because like with the, the, with the, the insect clouds and the stalks blocking out light from above, like there are times where it is, you know, pitch black for months, no light reaches the, the lower levels. So almost as a way of just reminding everyone in the community that we are here, that ever, that the members of the community are present, they light up and they, they like the, the ritual is nothing more than everyone like, you know everyone lights up at the same time and it is this unspoken mm. symbol of like we are here we are together and like for a moment the 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 bog the peat moss uh just illuminates in all sorts of different colors some of them visible some of them that would be visible to a uh, to our human eyes some of them in colors that are wholly impossible to conceive and they're just floating lights, like just floating lights, and then they vanish. Like, and they come up, 
and they hover for an indiscriminate amount of time and then they vanish. Oh, that's perfect. That's so cool. I don't have anything to talk about that, so I'm just going to sit and watch you draw. <laughs> do you just have any other interesting peat moss bog facts? Um, I do. So Flip I can talk it, about... Please. Yeah, uh, I can talk about sphagnum moss, which is... That sounds dope. Um, I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the most common forms of life in peat bogs, uh, and it actually is one of the most defining features of a lot of earth peat bogs. So uh, they, um, they're they like free-floating uh, moss species that will like rock and root um, in different areas and settle and just kind of grow. Um, they... We we think of moss as like this green, uh, like almost very fuzzy thing, but sphagnum mosses can come in all different colors, whether it's like green or red uh, or like orange and yellows. And actually, Jeff, I saw a tweet earlier today when I was looking through the World Wetlands Day hashtag, and I'll try and find it. I retweeted it, so it's probably in my notifications somewhere of someone holding up just like a bouquet of sphagnum moss. Yeah, here it is. That's super cool. Yeah. Well, that's dope. I love that. Yeah. So I've drawn a variety of lights and a variety of colors. Mm -hmm. Just floating around. I love it. Uh, Tell me about something that we take for granted in this community. Um, Something small, if we can. Yeah. Uh, Something we take for granted is that the uh that this is like a, a a shallow area that light does sometimes get here that there are beams of light that come down i mean there are sections of this world this planet that you know no creature no creature has ever seen the bottom of and to to be able mm-hmm. to see both the ground and the surface of the water is quite astounding to know where the ceiling is to know where the top of all things are and to know where the bottom are at the same time is is a quite an astounding thing yeah so i'm gonna draw just a some just some light just just like kind of a light scribble up here to represent kind of like light and like mm-hmm. light coming down How's that? Dig that? Perfect. And then I will kind of cap off the rest of the sort of water surface here. So we can kind of... There we go. Nice. And then the last question that I have for you, Jeff, is what's something that we are afraid of in this community? Um, We are afraid of... I'm going to start drawing it as I speak because I, I kind of uh, have a clear picture and I just kind of want to draw sort of uh, like arrows. I think it is ironically the very kind of thing that brought me to this community, which is like the mm. jet streams, the heavy currents. Unlike some of the deeper areas, unlike some of the broader, uh, unlike some of the broader, uh, like the deeper areas and the, the, the wider expanses and gulfs, uh, I think that there's nowhere to avoid them. Mm. 
if a jet stream comes, like if a jet stream crashes through where we are, there's no avoiding it. It will sweep things up and sweep up beings and and matter and things and it will sweep them up and carry them away and there's not a lot that can be done about it because there's nowhere to move to avoid it there's no there's not a lot of you know the structures around us Mm -hmm. the plant stalks are not the strongest and it just like is very like it is somewhat unavoidable and that is frightening Mm. hell yeah are we like a coastal peat bog? Like, I like that. Yes. It doesn't happen often, but it's almost like a tide pool effect yeah. where if there's a very strong storm, we'll get this ocean water in. Yeah. Excellent. That's v- very striking. I love it. Thank you. I'm digging this. I dig this community. Yeah. This little this little tiny shore community that is at once at once eternally dark and also blessed once in a while by the light from above. Yeah. So normally before we start playing, I ask everyone to close their eyes, take a deep breath, and then I give maybe a few sentences to sum up everything. But I think that you've done a very good job at that. All right. In what you've just said. All right. Um, I will still ask you to take that deep breath, though, Jeff. <sighs> Excellent. Um and now imagine your imagine Carcassonne in your mind with Jorthroot kind of tagging along, covered with bubbles maybe from a recent wave, uh, and, and Carcassonne with their uh, shifting crystalline structures kind of moving around, propelled by this, this, um, this cloud of crystals. Uh, and we are going to get ready to play. I think we've been recording for, it looks like, 45 minutes. Great. This might be a good spot to like do an episode break. Yeah, let's do it. Um, all right. Well, then with, with our characters created and our world made, we will uh, take a break. We will start next episode. Next episode will be our gameplay portion. Uh, Taylor, real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you and your work online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Leviathan Files, but most importantly, you can find Descent into Midnight on uh, on Twitter at DIMRPG, and you can find the Kickstarter campaign at DIMRPG.io slash KS. Perfect. Well, uh, we're, we'll, we'll pick this up momentarily, but for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take it, future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Taylor for coming on the show. I'm so excited for you all to hear this game because it was incredible. I mean, making the world was such an amazing experience. I can't wait for you to hear the actual gameplay portion of the game. Be sure to check the show notes for a link to Descent into Midnight on Kickstarter. Be sure to tweet with the hashtag Welcome to Midnight. Be sure to follow Descent into Midnight on Twitter at DIMRPG. And be sure to follow Taylor on Twitter at Leviathan Files. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. Join our Discord community at bit.ly slash partyofonediscord. Check out our merch store at bit.ly slash partyofonemerch. Support our other podcast, All My Fantasy Children, a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast powered by you. Every week, my best friend Eric Tanosize and I take a listener-submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character, and we populate a shared universe one story at a time. You can find that at oneshotpodcast.com, as it is on the One Shot Podcast Network. And... If you'd like to financially support the show, go to patreon.com slash jeffstormer. You can get early access to games, podcasts, articles, and more. And in exchange, you help make all of those things and more happen. Whew. 
Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran, featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, coming onto the show as a guest, or press coverage, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. The Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. And I think that's it for me. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. Party on, everybody.